This podcast is brought to you by WeTransfer, the world's largest file transfer service. Since 2009, WeTransfer's free platform has been enabling creative thinkers around the world. Visit wetransfer.com today and see for yourself. I'm Giles Peterson with another episode in the psychology of DJing. With WeTransfer, I've been speaking to some of my favorite DJs to explore many different themes lifestyle, keeping healthy, managing the pressure, playing the right tunes at the right times, all that kind of thing. In this episode, I spoke with a woman who apparently used to come and listen to me when I used to play at my residency in Vienna. She grew up in the Austrian countryside. She met some legendary jazz musicians like Ursula Dudziak and Sun Ra, and she was one of the first residents at the Panorama Bar in Berlin. For this episode of Psychology of DJing, I welcome Cassie. Now, we started off speaking about her start in DJing and getting the confidence to enjoy what she was doing? You know, that's that's a very good question. And that might sound really sad, but maybe like one of the first ones. So at least you have a bit of a, okay, like positive experience where like, okay, this is not so bad or where you were lucky that people were dancing to what you were doing. But I guess to be really happy with what I was doing, it, it took years, years. And I felt bad or stupid because especially like the guys that I was DJing with or hanging out with or saw or had to hang out with uh, um, mostly, um, they were also like into themselves and loving it. And so like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm so good at what I'm doing. That's their like natural starting point. And I'm like, oh, so did know. you feel the pressure that you weren't going to be living up to their sort of standards? Yeah, or I you did felt... feel that pressure a lot. Right. And it took you a few years to get. Yes. The I swagger. That, exactly. Right. And it was, I was in the German school of techno. I, I guess there's different schools of DJing and my school is the, the German school of techno, which I am so proud of in the end because it's a very restricted and, and, Morale-wise, like people are not nice to you because the Germans are not nice to people. <laughs> In general, they're just very, you know, just not very accommodating people. It's not in their makeup, no? I kind of like that. Yeah. They're real. They're real. It's very straightforward. <laughs> exactly. Especially in Berlin, you know, it's like you see what you get and kind of, yeah. So that was good for me because it made me tougher. And I think it just made me the way better DJ. And I did want to be as good as them. And I did want to like work as hard as I could to like be good at mixing. And I guess that made me good at mixing. And now that I, 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 I've, I've mastered maybe something in, in that, artistry if you want or skill it's not I don't know I wouldn't call it art but it's like an applied art maybe and I did develop a skill and now I really enjoy playing house music even more because I can I can play house now the way I really want to play it and back then I, I didn't have the skill to play it well and I think it's more difficult to play a really good house set than it is to play a really good techno set and and I I also don't really like playing the same music for two hours, even though it is the restricted house and techno field. I do play a lot of house and techno together. And I do like I, I play Robert Hood and I, I can also play Gene Ferris. And it's not, you know, or Chicago House and Hard Techno. I can also play Chris Liebing and Gene Ferris in the same set 
it's possible. <laughs> I'm just, it's funny you're talking about the sort of finding that moment when you feel confident about yourself enough. And I'm just thinking, relating it to me, it took me 25 years mm. to get to the point where I didn't really feel like, um, I felt like I could do anything. I could mix or I could stop or I could do, I just had the confidence to be able to literally, and that's quite a nice thing, but I think I was slightly put off because, you know, I remember seeing Derek Carter, you know, when I was like 21 or something. Yeah, and then I remember fuck. spending nights with Louis Vega in New Ooh. York and like listening to him in the Sound Factory bar. And you yeah. do that and you're like, yeah. you know, you're devastated for years, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so intimidating yeah so in yeah yeah and I guess that's that's my aim is to keep loving it yeah and how are you going to do that how are you doing it how am I doing it uh, is by um how much are you playing at the moment uh so right what's your, now what's your current sort of it was quite like this month was quite full-on because the Ibiza season is not like the summer so I play like three times a week I have a weekend off now, which is like rare. Usually I play two times a week. And if I don't play so much, it's once a week. Yeah, about once a week at least. I mean, I'm also looking at you and thinking you've got a child. Yeah. So how are you coping with it's that? It's full on. <laughs> right. So how do you do it? So your partner is great and you've got some Oh, support. my partner, no, right now he's in he's in South America and he's trying to work for his dad. And because he was like, we met in Bali and he was moving around the world. Like he gave up his job and now he's trying to find his footing again and start working again. So he's not there right now. So I had a nanny that was terrible. I have an old nanny that's still there and supporting me. I'm getting an au pair this week. I had like a, a major allergic reaction and stress and like terrible health things happening to me now because it was so stressful to like lose the support system and not having my boyfriend there at the moment. So it is full on. Yeah. Wow. So basically if you're, when you're next in Ibiza? Um, I was just there ye yesterday. So I'm going back on the 5th of August. So yeah. so you'll just leave the child with the, with the you, don't, you don't bring him? I like not so long like three weeks ago I had to bring him because I didn't have anyone so I brought him along with my psoriasis arms and swollen arms and like a rash all over my body and I can't imagine <laughs> having to do that as well as have then go on and play a set no a I did I did actually I, I traveled because we were in LA when he when my son was born and I I did and I started playing again like three or four weeks after it was was born and and I just did one gig in San Francisco but then I went on tour with him and I had a babysitter in the hotel so I tried to stay in like really nice hotels like five-star hotels where they have a good babysitter service I have a friend that could maybe sleep with him just for a few hours so I would go to the club I would like yeah breastfeed if possible just uh, bring my breast pump in case I remember at BPM in January my son was born in November I was at the club and my boobs were like out here <laughs> I had to run back to the hotel and pump and then go back to the club <laughs> I brought my pump to the breast pump to the club as well yeah and I toured with my son and I was, it was full on because you like you come back from playing a set and you have to breastfeed and hopefully sleep for two hours and then go to the airport yeah. Wow. Um, what's the buzz for you when you're do, doing it? I mean, I can't imagine like um, this 
Is it a job? Is it like making a living? Is it like... It is very much a job. It is making a living. And I think it's... I guess I like that. It's back to the restricted techno um, setup. I like that I have to take it very seriously. And I like that this is the way, you know, I make a living and I can't take it too lightly. And I have to... Because... At first, I was like, yeah, I don't care. I don't care where I play. I don't want to be too, I don't want to be too much also on like uh, social media and I want to play cooler and I don't want to have to play here or there. I want to play wherever I want to play and I don't want to be too much in the boys club and I don't respect that anyway too much and um, I want to do my own thing. But then I also had to like, I I was unlucky with my manager as well and I had to see that the business side of me has to be more developed because now I also have a son and I have to like, you know, keep going (laughs) because if not, I also lose what I love the most. So incredible balance you have to put together here, right? And you're in the middle of the two and a half years old. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's intense. I mean, I, I mean, I remember when my wife gave birth to my first of two children, I was 33 and, I was, whoa, you know, I was, I'm, I was escaping it as a DJ, you yeah. know what I mean? I So I was kind of running away from sort of the issue on the premise that I was earning a living. Yeah. <laughs> so I think a lot of guys who managed to, turn, but if you know. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah but, there's no, no escape. <laughs> yeah, no, no escape at all. And you haven't got a mum and dad around you either no, or any of that no. stuff. That's all. Well, congratulations, i got to say. Um, you've lived in quite a few parts of the world, um, in Austria, in, in Paris. I'm curious about your Paris thing as well. I mean, also, obviously, you've had residencies at Rex and at Output both clubs that I love and I suppose your most famous residency would be Panorama Bar yeah yeah um yeah talk to me about those how 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 actually how the the Panorama Bar um residency occurred and and how it felt that was probably the most important thing for my DJ career or DJing in the end because um to be in a city at a time where things are going down, you know, is is extremely important. Like, I wish I could have been in, in New York in the 90s, <laughs> but I was in, in Berlin in the early 2000s, so that's not bad. <laughs> it's not the same, <laughs> but it's not bad. And I remember that the old Osgood panorama bar had closed, and that was why I wanted to move to Berlin as well. And I was hanging out with my friend Golly, who was also later on my agent, and we kept... They, they had like the last days of Oscar Panorama Bar, like for five days, the club was open and shut and we would just like go home to sleep for three hours and go back to the club and just hang out there forever. And I knew I have to move to Berlin because this is the only way I can probably propel like what I love or listen to as many things as possible and go record shopping in not just one shop. And, and um, yeah, so the, there was no panorama bar and then there was like different clubs like Watergate and really good clubs, Maria back then and like all these clubs and venues and the scene that was really thriving, but very underground. But underground in Berlin was everything anyway, because there was like Berlin is not a commercial city or or a big city in that sense. So if you move in the scene in Berlin, you're moving in the scene in Berlin no matter what how small it is and you get to know everyone and um and 
so I was playing around. I was hanging a lot, uh, hanging out a lot. Like Ricardo was my neighbor, so we were like playing together a lot, and we were just record shopping together. And I just had like really close mates that were like into the same thing as me, and and also later on lots of girls too, and like good exchange and like we're all into buying like amazing records and house and techno and I started working at Hard Wax which was also like very elemental and then the Osgood crew the Panorama Bar crew uh, reopened or not reopened but opened a new um, venue the Berghain and um, and they gave away the Friday nights to labels so it was a playhouse night a pearl on night uh, Luciano had a cadenza night and I remember Luciano was living in Berlin at that uh, time and he asked me to DJ with him or be part of the cadenza night and that was one of the first Fridays there and the sound system was not not so good at that point and it was really and obviously people just tend to get really high and as guys get really high you know they start playing and they don't care what if it's like super loud or super whatever and i remember like luciano's girlfriend like coming up to me and going like you or wife actually just go back on because you're not as high and the guys it's just too loud and horrible you know can you just go back on and so I went back on <laughs> you know I was like more like as a girl you were a little bit more sane and a bit bit more careful I was always a bit more like aware of what was going on I guess and then because um they liked what I did they asked me to come back every week like I came back every week or no not every week two times a month and then once a month but yeah Amazing. And the good thing is they had me on because the Friday nights were the label nights and those were the cool nights where everyone went. And again, as soon as something is cool, I, I don't like it. <laughs> so I always try, which is like also a bit complicated sometimes, but and dumb sometimes. But the Saturday to Sunday nights that are now the big nights or like or Sunday now daytime is really cool. But when I was playing there at the beginning, the first three years, like... Sunday morning was not cool you just had lots of freaks you know and that was just nice because you could just play whatever and I I could just really like work on my DJ skills and and see what I can do with whoever is there on the dance floor and and create a positive energy or good energy with whatever you have there and I guess that's that really transformed my my DJ performance is to to get something good out of out of whatever you have i'm quite interested in what you were saying a moment ago and i've never really heard it from a woman's perspective like you said it but the way certain men will get high and they'll treat the music in a certain way whereas is there a difference with the women i mean first of all from your point of view did you ever how did you cope with the nightlife the all of that stuff and did you manage to stay away from it did you or did you use it to enhance your sets or how does it yeah work i did i did German school of techno I obviously I did enjoy taking drugs and partying and I did try and use it I had I told myself I have to be able to play really well when I'm high because I I can't be a DJ and not take drugs because then I don't know how the people feel it was probably also kind of an excuse <laughs> yeah like I have to experiment with drugs because I think you know I'm in the nightlife it'd be like weird not to take drugs and now I don't do drugs anymore. Thank God. It's so, it's so exhausting. Um, but I really enjoyed playing high. You know, I really enjoyed playing on ecstasy. But 
I have to say it's also nothing that I really demanded of myself to be doing every single time. Whereas a lot of my DJ colleagues, I think they have a problem. Some of them still, they have to be high. They have to take, they have to take ecstasy. Otherwise they can't DJ. And this I always thought was stupid because no, that's not, you know, I have to be able to play without or just drinking or not drinking. And this is something I'm proud of that I still have. Like I don't drink and I don't take any drugs. Sometimes I drink, but right now I'm also not drinking and, uh, and I really enjoy playing more than ever, actually. Okay, so when you're playing these days, what's the final big payoff for you? What's the thing that really gives you the buzz? And now also being a mom and like entering a new stage of my life and being older and like working on my myself as as a as a human and like working on my not deficiencies is it's a bit stupid but trying to like like myself more and like etc going ahead I really enjoy mixing or I, I enjoy myself as a DJ more so I get to a point in my sets where I'm really where I'm really I don't know if it's proud, but where I'm really happy with what I'm doing. And and I'm so happy that I got there that I just really enjoy playing. And and I think that's the, the payoff that I'm finally, you know what you said, it took you 25 years. It, it definitely took me like, I don't know, yeah, 20 years to, to get to, I love this. I really know I can do this well now and, and, and I want to do it even better. You know, I really, I want to, I know I've not played my best sets yet. So many thanks to Cassie for speaking to me today about her psychology, her approach in the world of DJing. You can download the whole series over on WeTransfer. We've also got episodes there with IG Culture, Craig Richards, The Black Madonna and more. This podcast is presented by WeTransfer Studios, Giles Peterson and Worldwide FM. Visit wetransfer.com slash thisworks to see more of our creative collaborations.